Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Jake, I'm going to tell you something right now that I only get to tell you once a year. Are you ready for this? I'm very con- I'm very concerned because this is not we actually put together a script um for this one like an actually fully written out script instead of just us two knowing what we're going to talk about and this is not on the script. So yeah. I'm confused and scared. Yeah, I'm uh I'm really just going going out of left field here. Uh happy Pi Day. It is in fact Pi oh. Day today. 3. Although 3.14. Although for most people listening to this it won't be Pi Day anymore. Yes, but it is still Pi Day today, and I figured I'd just wish you a happy Pi Day because you are Thank you. you are an engineer in your I am. in your professional life. And I you am. know that the number Pi actually holds some significance to you. So extending my e- extending my warmest wishes to you. I u- I use it to calculate the area of different things like reinforcement and all of that type yeah. of fun stuff. How many decimals of pi can you name? I feel like we need to know this. Three point one four. That's probably it. That's all I got. Really? There's only so many significant numbers that you need to go to in engineering because, I mean, at a certain point, you're rounding. 3.14159.5426. All right, I give up. Yeah, that, yeah. That's as far I got, as I know. <laughs> yeah, for me, I I just need to round to, like, basically the closest, like, inch squared for most things. So, yeah. I mean, that that, that sounds important. Yeah. Um, anyway. Just just, uh, you know, that the topic of pie has certainly come up on the show in the past. So I, I figured I'd uh, dig up some old bones here, but we've got plenty on the show to talk about today, folks. So strap yourselves in because this is this is going to be a bit of a bit of a mammoth of an episode here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm already seeing people in the Twitch chat uh, looking forward to a rant from me. And <laughs> last week I, I had the request from people and I didn't really have a, a great one in me. This week, I don't have it planned, but there is definitely one in me this week. Well, so we'll get into why you may go on a rant, but the Ducks did play a few games this week, so we will talk about those. But really, the only logical place where we can start, or at least to me, the only logical place that we can start is all of the rumors, all of the reports that have come out this week's this week from very reliable sources. I mean, at the athletic Galia Friedman, even Eric Stevens getting some reports in there. So the ducks with the way their season has gone with the way that they're spiraling out of the playoff picture, of course, names are going to come up in trade conversations. And these are names that we've talked plenty about on the show here, namely Ricard Raquel, Josh Manson, Adam Henrique. And it kind of is starting to feel like it's all coming to a head here with, with these names. Yeah, it it definitely does. It it feels like something's got to give at some point. We'll get into the games a little bit more later in this uh, episode, but I mean, not to let the cat out of the back, the ducks lost uh, a couple of games this week and they have only won two games in their last 10. They have, I think won five games in regulation all season is the stat I, I found today, which is second worst in the league behind uh, Buffalo at fourth. Um, and so it, it's feeling like they're getting to a point where something's got to give every time that it feels like rock bottom has come. There's another level to go lower for this team. And so it feels like something's, something's going to happen. Something's got to give soon. And we have the trade deadline coming up now officially in less than a month. April 12th is when the trade deadline is. And 
this could be a season where you see activity happening a little bit earlier than usual coming up to the trade deadline, mainly due to the fact that especially if you're trading with a Canadian team, the guy's going to have to quarantine for 14 days. Um, and so a Canadian team that's making a trade for a guy to kind of come in and help them in their potentially in either in their push for the playoffs, if that's the case, then they're going to want uh, to get them as soon as possible. And even if they are in a locked in spot, like looking at Toronto, for instance, which is a team that we may bring up again later, um, they even if they're locked into a playoff spot, basically, they're going to want to get that guy integrated into the roster as soon as possible. So it's not as if they're starting from scratch kind of come playoff time that they are able to have some leeway or some leadway and, and be able to get them into their lineup. And so I think we're going to start seeing some moves in the next week or two for both the ducks and on the whole in the season. I'm not quite sure actually how busy the deadline on the whole is going to be. I think this may be a year where you see some more moves prior to the deadline. Yeah. I think that everything you said definitely adds up there. Now looking at the, looking at the actual report, looking at the, <laughs> the paragraph really, the paragraph from Craig Custins here just two days ago that really set uh, Twitter on fire, at least Duck's Twitter, wh what's left of it after all the pitchforks and knives and torches have been out oh, and about yeah. this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's a beautiful disaster. Um, but so obviously Bob Murray told Eric Stevens of The Athletic and the, the media that he spoke with, Recently, he said, I'm openly talking and listening about lots of things. We've got to. So essentially saying, hey, the Ducks are open for business on the trade market. And Ricard Raquel has 12 points in his last 10 games. He's playing some of the best hockey he's ever played. Plus, he's getting the production for it. But this was the paragraph. So I'll just read it word for word here from The Athletic, just so that everyone knows what we're talking about. As always, it comes down to return. The Ducks are no longer interested in swapping players off their roster for future draft choices where they'll need to wait three seasons or more before they can plug a prospect into their lineup. They're looking for players in the 24 to 27 age range to mesh seamlessly with the maturing youngsters who are gradually finding their NHL way. Any deal involving Raquel would likely be a hockey deal. Given that Anaheim and Boston have developed a trade pipeline of sorts these past few years and Boston's desperate need for secondary scoring, a Raquel for Jake DeBrusque deal might make sense. DeBrusque was a healthy scratch recently and could be a candidate for a scenery change. Now, there's a little bit more after that about other candidates, but to me, that is a bombshell right there. That is yeah. a bombshell. Yeah. Tell us why. That's a bombshell because, I mean, it's funny, actually, maybe an hour before that article came out, Pierre Lebrun dropped a, uh, an article with kind of his potential trades that he could see happening or the trades that he would like to see. And he had had actually Ricard Raquel to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And basically, he said that the Raquel, uh, let's see here really quickly. Uh, for me, it starts with the Leafs offering uh, Rodian Mirov and still that probably wouldn't be enough. Toronto would need to add another asset in the package. So it's funny because of the conflict that that's going on here. You have uh, Pierre Lebrun stating that. And now granted, this is Pierre Lebrun's opinion. And I think yes. that that's a key distinction to make here. This is Pierre Lebrun's speculation slash opinion versus I believe Craig Custance's article is more so based on information he's receiving and he's receiving information that the Ducks are no longer interested in swapping uh, players for future draft choices. So kind of breaking it all down, I think Pierre Lebrun is thinking through it of a lens of what the Ducks should do. And Craig Custance is coming at it with information of what they probably are going to do. And I mean, here's the, the, the key thing here. 
if the Ducks are intent on trading Ricard Raquel and they do it for a guy that is 24 to 27 uh, years of age, I mean, let, let's lay it out there. Ricard Raquel is a good player for the Ducks right now. Even if they got back a Ricard Raquel, does that make a difference? Does that change anything? If they got back a Ricard Raquel that's two years younger than him, does that change anything for this franchise? Does that move the needle for this franchise? Does that change anything four or five years down the line? No. It's the same exact situation they're in now. So what good does it do for you to move a Ricard Raquel if that's going to be the return? You're getting essentially the same player back that you have right now, and there's no actual added benefit to the long-term plan. Ricard Raquel is, I believe, what, 27 years old right now? Twenty, I think he's turning 28 in May. Um, I, I don't know if you can look that up really quickly as I, I'm going over this, but the, the fact that... He's 27. Yeah, yeah he, he, 20 he's, he's 27. So you're looking at a guy two to three years younger than him. Like that is not a a vast difference between the two of them. Yes, it, it does help because he does get younger. And I think that that does eventually help because you'll have better prime age scoring. But at the end of the day, you're not making any difference to this roster. You're not changing anything for this roster. You're not making them better now. You're not necessarily making them better in the future. So what are you accomplishing really by doing this deal in a quote unquote hockey trade? You're not accomplishing anything. You're, you're really not, you're, you're doing exactly what he's done. Jake throwing up the air quotes. Yeah. You with, know, it's getting real with every single trade he's made with, with every trade he's made of late, basically besides, I mean, basically if you take out Montour, if you take out Kasha and you take out kind of the fringe, uh, type rebuilding deals, which are important. And I, I give Bob Murray credit for doing those, but you look at Heinen for Richie, you look at Sprong for, or Pedersen for Sprong, Sprong for juice. Um, the, the reported Heinen for Vertanen trade that he was looking at doing all of these things are essentially changing guys from one team to another. And it's not actually making a difference because all you're doing is shuffling the deck chair. You're taking this deck chair and putting it over here and pulling this other one back here that may be a little bit newer, maybe a little bit fresher coat of paint, but at the end of the day, it's still a deck chair and it's not going to change anything. Instead, what the ducks need to do is if you're going to move Ricard Raquel, actually do it and do it for the right reason. Like, this feels as if they're just moving Ricard Raquel to make the fan base happy to show, hey, see, we did end up uh, doing a rebuilding type move. We moved Ricard Raquel, but you're not actually accomplishing anything. Get a pick, get a young roster player, get a first round pick and Rodian Amirov. That makes a difference to this roster. Build this roster around Trevor Zegras. That is what they need to do. I mean, I didn't think there would be a rant this early, but oh boy, that was a good one. I'm pretty sure that was a rant. I think that, that qualifies. I think that qualifies as like, a rant. It, but it's it's baffling. Like, how can you decide to to well, do I, I think if I may, if yeah, I may, go for it. Go for it. I, I think that there are also some faulty assumptions underlying this decision making process. This is something I'm trying to write about right now, is that Part of the thought process seems to be that they want someone in that 24 to 27 age range to mesh seamlessly with the maturing youngsters who are gradually finding their NHL way. Uh, I have a question. Who are these maturing youngsters? How many Ducks youngsters are actually good enough at the point now to where you can plan these big franchise-defining moves around them? Like, let's go down the list. Max Contois. I think very clearly... He's established himself as an NHL player this season. Maybe he won't be a star, but he is an NHL player. That much we can say. I think Max Jones, if he's not there, he's like an inch away from being that. And then after that, who else is there? Isaac Lindstrom, I know he had a hat trick. I know that, uh, you know, there's the cool story that his girlfriend moved over and now he's more comfortable in North America, but he's still not that good. 
He yeah. actually still doesn't do much for this team. He is okay defensively, and maybe in time he'll become an okay player, but he's not a guy that I think you can, again, build these decisions around. Sam Steele might just not be an NHL player. Like, like right now, he might just not be that. Um, and just going down the list, continuing, Josh Mahura. Like, okay, maybe, you know, the, the results are hit or miss with him. Uh, and then, of course, Trevor Zegras. But I think he... Trevor Zegers well, is always he Trevor Zegers is always in this equation no matter what. So Trevor Zegers is Trevor Zegers is also of a different age range I think than those guys. Yes. So the, anyway, all of my, the the larger point there was simply that if the Ducks have this newfound confidence in their youngsters to the point where they don't want to kick the can that far down the road, that seems like faulty logic to me. Well, it's also a lack of player evaluation or poor, not yes. lack of it's poor player evaluation. Yes. It's exactly the same type of situation that got into making the Nick Ritchie trade and saying he needed a change of scenery because he, he, you thought he was playing poorly for you. And in reality, maybe adjust your expectations. Don't expect Nick Ritchie. I mean, it would have been great. Nick Ritchie was a 10th overall pick. I think it was valid for people to think that he would become a first line talent. But I think a year or two in, you need to change that opinion of him. He's not that. And I think, And by judging him by that standard, you're doing him a disservice and you're doing your team a disservice by, by doing that. And I think that that is part of the issue that's happening here is Bob Murray is doing the same exact thing that he did with Nick Ritchie that he is doing with these kids. He is putting on them all of these expectations and it's doing not only them a disservice, it's doing the roster disservice. And I mean, if you expect these guys, I mean, you and I have said this since the very beginning. I mean, this is going way back in the Anaheim calling days, but we had Jeff Merrick on this show, right? And Did he, when we asked him back then, this was before any of these guys had played in the NHL. This was before any of these guys played in the AHL. He agreed that none of these guys would be top of the lineup players. They would at best be second liners. They're not going to be the guys that you build the team around. And that, that evaluation that you and I have held and, and that Merrick said on this very podcast like that has held and that has been how the they've been. And the ducks have misevaluated their own players. If they've thought otherwise. And, yeah. and, and to me, that's kind of what this is showing is that they've missed their evaluation and they're still continuing to miss their evaluation well, of these players. It also shows to me that part of the, a lot of the evaluation is based on points, like just goals yeah. and assists because yeah. Max Contois leads the team in scoring. And for some people that might seem like, wow, he is the best player. He's one of the very best players in this team. He's an elite level player. Um, and I think he's been good, but that, does not tell the whole story and probably overstates part of the story. Um, Isaac Lindstrom, he has seven points in 22 games, but I do think they're fixating on his five goals and the fact that they've, that a lot of those have come as of late. Um, Sam Steele has, you know, he has nine points, but he also has a 56% faceoff percentage. And I just feel like those are the kinds of things that they're probably factoring in here. And to be quite honest, those are very misleading and incomplete forms of forms of evaluation of course there is probably the eye test although the eye test is certainly not kind to sam Steele at this point in time so that was the big one um that to me really turned on the alarms uh, started the red flags waving just because like we've said and like you has so eloquently put in that thank rant you. thank um, you yeah, no tongue in cheek there whatsoever. Um, hey, I thought it was okay. <laughs> as you so eloquently put, the Ducks, if they are going to trade Ricard Raquel, who, like you said, is a good player now, you're you're not doing it because you are looking for a better player or a similar player. You're doing it because you are coming to terms with the fact that the timeline of your team 
the the way that it's set up is there's a clash there currently. Yeah. There's there's too many guys on one side of the curve and too many guys in another side of the curve. And you need to figure out that you got to start buying in to that side of the curve with the young players and try yeah. to feed into that. So by the time that they hit their stride, by the time that they become prime age players, that it all happens at once, as opposed to bring in a guy who's slightly younger, who by the time all these youngsters are going to be good, is probably going to be in the same position, starting to age out a little bit. So, so and also, for instance, mm-hmm. Jake DeBrusque is the guy being mentioned well, that's here. The, that, that's that is truly just the baffling name. I mean, like, Jake, Jake DeBrusque De- has not been good this season. No, he's not been good this season. And I mean, two years ago, he put up 27 goals. Last year, put up 19 goals, 16 assists. Yeah, like, he scores goals, but he, I don't he, know how much he actually impacts play. Yeah, he definitely doesn't. But kind of getting beyond the point, I mean, that type of move. I mean, Jake DeBrus could devalue really quick to the point where in two to three years, you're in this. Basically, you're I mean, here's the best way to put it. If they were to remove move Ricard Raquel for Jake DeBrusque, all they're essentially doing is kicking the can down the line because you're going to end up with this same situation with Jake DeBrusque in two to three Jake DeBrusque in two to three years when he is going to be potentially an unrestricted free agent. And you need to make the decision. Do you move him or do you keep him? Do you sign him or do you don't? And so all this, Mm -hmm. all, all this would do in a like for like hockey trade is kick the can down the road. It makes no difference for the roster. Now you're also, you're also, I actually sort of disagree with that. I think you're, you're actually making your team worse. Well, Sorry. Yes, you are like actively making your team worse. But my point there was that you are kicking the can down the road in terms of having the roster player. If if yeah. they're concerned about the fact that Raquel may leave, like honestly, this this is the only piece of logic that I can come at with this in terms of the reason the reason why you would move him for a roster player. And, and uh, follow me on this. Ricardo Raquel is up for unrestricted free agency, not this summer, but the one after. You would think the Ducks and his agency have had some preliminary conversations because he's eligible for an extension whenever free agency opens because it's not July 1st this year. I forget the actual date that it's going to be. But maybe they've had those preliminary discussions already and they just haven't gone anywhere. And Raquel has said, no, I'm going to leave. I I don't want to be here for this. I'm not enjoying what's going on here. Nothing is going the right way. I need a new, I'm, I want to leave. And so the whole reason they're the only reason they're actually looking for to move Raquel is to essentially get a guy that's younger, that's under contract for a little bit longer under club control for a little longer. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, looking at, looking at DeBrus contract that he has the exact same deal, except he's an RFA at the end of it. Exactly. So here's the thing. You're paying roughly the same AAV for a markedly less impactful player, like markedly less impactful. Um, Sure, he puts up goals, but if you look at the actual impact he has in the game, he's a good defensive player. He he might even be a better defensive player than Raquel is, but he is nowhere near that offensively and is okay on the power play. I mean, the the Bruins tend tend to produce when he's out there on the power play, but not really the kind of guy that I think fits the bill. Um, it just seems like a weird cost-cutting move that isn't actually not going to like be I said, anywhere it, close. It's yeah. kicking the can down the road. It, it's yeah. the fact that Ricard, that that's where I'm coming at it with the contract situation is that they, they see Raquel coming up in a year. He may not sign. It gives them more cost certainty with a, a player a couple of years younger. Instead of like this, this is the exact type of move that turns the Ducks into the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's just it puts you in this in this rut where you're just kind of stuck where you are, and there's no, you're there's just not really anywhere. There, there's no avenue to get out of it. I do yeah. find it funny though that like part of the evaluation here 
part of the reporting is that, well, the Ducks and the Bruins have established a trade pipeline. So here's a very specific well, deal. It's 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 almost as if the Ducks pigeonhole themselves into trading with specific teams for set other, periods of time. One other thing I want to mention, you, you read this verbatim, the, the first part of it, but mm-hmm. I want to reread it right now. The Ducks are no longer interested in swapping players off their roster for future draft choices. <laughs> yeah. how, how many players have they actually done that with? Like how many? Like, I mean, it's, I, it's I, Brandon Montour. Brandon I actually Montour. don't think they've ever really done that. No, I mean, they've done it with Brandon Montour, Andre Kasha, I guess Derek Grant and Michael Delzato. Yeah, but even the Kasha trade wasn't yep. exactly like yep. just a few because they had to take on Bacchus, yep. right? And who knows, was the, was the first round pick just because of the fact that the Ducks had to take Bacchus? Like they haven't really made any purely seller moves. And you could even argue that the Montour deal was a bit of a hockey trade because Gooley was, you know, like an okayish prospect at the time. So who maybe needed a, a change of scenery. So it's not like that. That is another baffling aspect of this report is that they're no longer interested in doing that. Were they ever interested? Did they ever do this? It, it, it just seems like a very, they could have done it with Silverberg two years ago. They could have done it with Manson last and, year and with also, more value. They could have done it with so many players over the last little bit, and they've decided not to. Well, and also, if you think about it, like the the trades that if, if you were to rate the trades that the Ducks have made in the last two to three years, those trades are actually some of the better ones. You know, Montour for Gooley and a first round pick doesn't look great in hindsight because Gooley is kind of flamed out and Braden Tracy is looking like a so-so prospect. But at the time, it was really good value for Brandon yeah. Montour, who it was, was kind really of this, good, who was a struggling defenseman, but still had some name recognition. And for the Andre Kasha trade, yeah, you had to take on um, David Backus's deal, but in theory, the Ducks could still flip David Backus, and you got a first-round pick, which turned into Jacob Perot, who I think will be a very good prospect. But even at the time when we were evaluating the trade, even though I know you didn't love the value play as much getting that first round pick is still something that you can hang your hat on. And so, but, but if you look at the other trades they've made, they've just been giant misses. It's, it's shuffling deck chairs. I mean, it's the exact type of deal that they're trying to do with Ricard Raquel. Like it's those exact type of moves that, that they've made and it's led to nowhere. Like it, it, and so now, now that we're kind of through Ricard Raquel, I do want to briefly mention one other thing that, that came out, which was the fact that uh, on Ricard Raquel, Eric Stevens had a report earlier in the week where he was talking to a longtime NHL executive. Um, and it's funny because this executive says he would give up a absolute minimum. He would get a first round pick or give up a first round pick and a top prospect or at minimum. Yeah. That's what the Ducks should get for him. Yeah. So it, it's not as if Ricard Raquel won't get you a return like that, like a, first round pick and Rodian and Amirov. That's why if you, if you trade Ricard Raquel for Jake DeBrus straight up, you're basically getting like 50 cents in the dollar at yeah. best. I, I don't know. I had, I don't even know what the translation there would be, but it, it's like you have this very valuable trade chip and you gotta, you just well, gotta maximize it. At, at the end of the day, people are going to say, why would you make the ducks worse? The ducks are bad. How does that make it? Like, why would you trade like, one, like, of, like one if, of their best? If you're, if you're Boston and, and the ducks well, call you and say, yeah, we really want DeBrusque," You don't put the phone down until the trade has been made because I, that, that's a, that's a gift to you. Yeah. I just want to briefly mention, cause there were people in my, both yours and my mentioned this week, basically trying to say, why would you move Raquel in the first place? And the fact that he would age fine with this roster and all this different type of stuff. And I mean, contract. He, 
here, yeah, it's contract. I mean, here's the thing. Eric Stevens, and we'll get into the trade, our own trade tiers that we'll come up with. He, Eric Stevens said it in his thing that both Jacob Silverberg and Adam and Reek are untradeable right now because of their deals. They're in year two of their contracts that they got in their UFA status. Ricardo Raquel will be in that same boat. So why are we going down that same path of giving yeah. another player that type of deal when you're already a bad team? The Ducks need to start rebuilding this roster around Trevor Zegras. The next time the Ducks are competitive, truly competitive, it's going to be with Trevor Zegras at the helm, him leading the way. So you need to rebuild the roster around him. I get that some people want to have older players on this roster. So keep one of Adam Henrique or Jacob Silverberg. Well, They're already the guys under you, contract. You can't move, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're already under contract. And I think and rebuild Silverberg's, this been, Silverberg's been okay this yeah, year. But I mean, yeah. here, like, picture this the Ducks, the trade I've been thinking of is Nick Robertson, just because I, I, have preference to him. I think he would be a great fit on this Ducks team. It would be really hard to get him, but that that's the name I keep coming back to. The Ducks would be set up for, I mean, it could be next year, potentially having well, yeah. a line, having a line of Nick Robertson, Trevor Zegras and Jacob Perot. Well, well, that's the thing is that if, like you have part, your first line from that. Yeah. Well, part of the thought, another assumption underlying this argument is that, well, if you go down this rabbit hole of trading for a pick and a prospect, you're basically engaging yourself in a two to three year deal. And you're just not going to see any return until a couple of years. And it's like that doesn't have to be true. <laughs> why? Why is it? Why is it just a given here that it's going to take three years to see any return on a deal like that? That that Nick, seems a little harsh. The Leafs didn't let Nick Robertson go to the World Juniors because they thought that he was going to play for them at the start of the year. He just got hurt um, before the yeah. season. And yeah, I, I get it. I doubt Toronto wants to trade Robertson, but I mean, here's the logic behind there for me is the Leafs are never going to have a better chance to win a cup than this year. Um, Ricardo Raquel makes them better than Nick Robertson does at right now. So they pay for the now and they have to pay a hefty price for that. I mean, it's possible they don't do it. It's possible. I'm over overvaluing Ricardo. Well, Raquel, I mean, would they rather give up Robertson or Amirov? I mean, does, this is, like, this is way, now in the weeds a little bit, but e yeah, either, either way. I'll, I mean, who knows which one they'd rather give up. I mean, the, they're the both issue with players. Amirov is the KHL factor and I don't yeah. know. I don't know his status. So, and of course, if I am even thinking that you could bet your ass that Bob Murray's thinking that. Yeah. So, so difficult. So, to, to round this out, the other names that were were listed in Custance's piece were Danton Heinen, like the names we've talked about, Danton Heinen, Adam Henrique, and maybe Jacob Silverberg. Um, Adam Henrique would be the Ducks eating a large percentage of the contract. And then the name also on a lot of the trade big boards, it's really for the Ducks on the trade big boards, it's basically Ricardo Raquel and Josh Manson. And I'd be, we'll get into this in a bit when we get it's into It's interesting our to see Manson's name just kind of firmly there. Um, yeah, I, I because mean, because you don't see anybody else's name on the ducks in on this board. And now, of course, I don't know how much we should take it for, you know, for for go as gospel that this board is is to be trusted. But I mean, these are people that are well connected, very sourced in the NHL, and they're not just putting this out there uh, haphazardly. Uh, and so Ricardo Raquel is number two and Josh Manson's number four. Like he's not that far behind. So. If the Ducks can get out of both Raquel and Manson and they do it in the correct manner where they go and get picks and prospects, they could be very well set up for and, the next couple. And we talked about this a lot on our Patreon episode. So if you want really the deep dive into the numbers behind it all, go yeah. go listen to our Patreon episode. But there's yeah. been a lot of talk, including us here. Like I'm I'm calling us out in the process. Like we are not uh -oh. absolved from this. What did we but do? We we have said like the Ducks have a lot of cap space next summer. 
that oh. cap space actually isn't that much, even though that the number looks great right now. It's a uh, 21.93 million no. cap space. The amount of players they have to sign next year essentially eats away all of that cap space. So even though yes, they do, there is that big number of 21.9, the amount of players they have signed as part of that kind of number like is not a significant yeah. amount. So in order it, just to sign their still, own players, they still don't have really a backup goalie and they probably want to bring back Ryan Getzloff. So yeah, it's not like, it's it, actually not all rosy as we, as we once thought. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a key piece. So moving out money, like moving out Ricardo Cal, moving out a guy like Josh Manson. Yeah. I mean, that's out, about, if you can, that's if you can, almost eight mil. Right if you there. can move out Jacob Silverberg, that moves out even more money. Like I these mean, are all, these are all things that that are uh, important. So yes, all of that being said, you want to get into the final piece of, of tra- uh, trade rumors, and then we'll get into some trade tiers. With basically, we'll run through players, say move, don't move, and what we think the return could be. Uh, yes, give me the final piece. The final piece was last night on Saturday Night Headlines. Elliot oh, Friedman, God, mentioned that. Troy Terry, and it was unclear if this is coming potentially from a player agent or potentially from the Ducks and our other teams looking to move him. But Troy Terry is on the trade block for the Ducks. And Eric Stevens refuted that slightly. I will just kind of say this. Elliot Friedman is one of the most plugged in people in all of hockey. He would not have reported that if he had not heard that from various different people. So I will say where there's a little where there is smoke, there's probably fire there. Well, so. To be very clear, because I think that's important when we're having these conversations, is to really sift through the information. Elliot Friedman's report didn't really indicate whether the team was shopping him, whether yeah. he was looking for, a, whether the player was looking for a change of scenery, like you alluded to with the agent. So we don't necessarily know where that's coming from. But here are the facts the Ducks have scratched Troy Terry repeatedly this season. Uh, despite him playing very well. I mean, the numbers show that he's a very impactful player. He's a great defensive player. He has produced lately offensively. He's scored some beautiful goals, and yet he's still been scratched. So even if maybe the Ducks want to refute that through through their own channels, um, <laughs> I think that they can't really, you can't overlook the possibility, you, you can't rule out the possibility that they are shopping him because of their actions, because of the way that they've handled Troy Terry this season. So yeah. I, I think that that's completely and, fair game. And, and here's kind of my my slight issue kind of with the thought process behind moving Troy Terry. And all we have to go off... All, <laughs> well, yes. All, we all, haven't even touched that yet. <laughs> all we have to go off of here is essentially history. We don't have any other information except for Friedman's report. So all we can go off of is that along with Bob Murray's history, which is when he's moved these younger players, it's been in a like a, a quote-unquote hockey trade. It's been a one-for-one like, one swap. A one-for-one one swap, not a bigger deal overall. And so I... Obviously, when that news first broke, I was pissed off. Like, there, there's no way around it. <laughs> just, Troy just picture Jake throwing the remote at the TV. Troy, Troy Terry's a guy that I've been a fan of for a while. It's a guy that we have seen kind of grow and prosper. He's a guy that I think gets shit on way too much by a lot of people. He's a guy that at his cap fit, at cap hit of 1.45 brings you positive on ice play. He's not becoming the first line talent that we maybe thought he might be able to become. We? Uh, me? You, you agreed with this. I would say that. You agreed that he had the potential to get there. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm lumping I, I, you in. No. Well, okay. So I actually still think he can be, um, okay, for sure. Fair enough. But when I think, when I hear first line talent, I think like an actual fair. top line player. Yeah. Okay. Fair I enough. He can play on a top line and make that line yeah. better. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, um, having said that, even if he is just what he is now, 
Mm-hmm. At 1.45 million, that brings you a lot of value, even if he's only putting up 20 or 30 points mm-hmm. throughout throughout the season. Having a guy that makes 1.45 million that's solid in his own zone can drive play towards the other team's net and is not a liability out there when he they're is on a good the ice. power play player, too. Yeah, like that is that is valuable at 1.45 mil. And so if that's all he is for the rest of his career, like that's a, a person of value for the team. And that's not necessarily saying that he's this untouchable. I think the ducks only have two no. untouchables right now, but to me, the main issue that is move that would be behind moving him is that that's not the right guy to move. Like you should be looking to move your older guys. If, and this is the big, if, if it's Troy Terry in a move for a like for like type of trade in, in a move for, for someone in a similar position to him, like what, what that that's a quote unquote change of scenery trade to, to shake up the room. Well, the thing it, is, he Troy Terry, the only change of scenery he needs is to be on the actual ice more in an Anaheim Duck sweater, is to be in the press box less often. Because when he's on the ice, he plays very well. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's a situation where I... Obviously, I think the logic is missing in terms of player evaluation, but I don't necessarily think moving him's an, the, the worst idea it, in the world. Not if a, you're, it, it's not a cardinal sin if you trade him. Um, it, you could get like... <laughs> Hell, if the Ducks trade Troy Terry and get like a, a second round pick. Yeah, go like for that's, it. That's not a bad situation. But, I agree. But the thought process there is a little, it's but, troubling. Well, it, it's the th- the issue I think both you and I have with it is that it goes down the same rabbit They're hole. They're also not of, getting a second round pick for Troy Terry. It, it goes down the same rabbit hole of why would you move uh, Marcus Patterson for Daniel Sprong? Why would you move Daniel Sprong for Christian Juice? Why would you move... Uh, Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen. Why would you move like move Devin Shore for uh Sonny Milano? Like some of those, sure, they end up fine in terms of what you get. And well, you may so, win those. Some of those were okay. No, but so. that that's yeah. kind of my point is that on the like that's exactly that's the important thing to say here. Some of those were okay, but even then, even the ones that were okay, it's not as if they're making this massive impact. They're they're very much these on the peripheral moves that don't actually well, make an impact on the well, roster. I would I would push back on that slightly. Okay. Not, so, not so much to like, I think your thought process is sound that, yeah, like they're not big impact moves, but at the same time, like the ducks have brought in players. Like, I mean, this is really about Daniel Sprong. Like Daniel Sprong was good and they just no. didn't let him play. Yes, no doubt. No and doubt. So, and so that also goes into the fact that if you're going to bring in guys via trade, give them an, a real opportunity but, to demonstrate their talent. But my, my point with this is what did that really accomplish Pedersen for Sprong? It's not as if the Ducks could use Marcus Pedersen right now. It's not as if well, they that, could use Daniel Sprong. It will, yeah, true. They could <laughs> use they could use Christian Juice. They could also. use Christian Juice. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's that kind of logic path though, where I mean kind of at the end of the day, sure, those trades may be good. I didn't have a I didn't have a huge issue with Pedersen for Sprong. I so, had more of an issue with Sprong for Juice. But let me to go back to it. Does are those the types of moves that get you out of this rebuild? That no, that no, that yes. and I think that I is the over that. that is the overarching thing here is that moving Troy Terry in a like for like move is uh they're past that. Like the, 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 well, it, they're it, past that kind of trade. It shows it, it's a problematic viewpoint of things. And, and I think the big problem, like it's it's a problem, right? I, I agree with you. I, so, I agree with you. I think we're 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 talking about the same thing, but just from different semantic points yep, of view. Yep. Um, okay. Well, I think maybe before we get into our trade tiers, I mean, we're over thirty minutes in. Should we maybe talk about our our sponsor today? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Okay. So everyone, uh, Mac Weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in a smart design in smart designs and high quality fabrics. 
Mack Weldon offers a one-stop shop for men's basics from socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts, basically whatever you need. Mack Weldon has you covered. Unlike the assortment of department store brands that make up your top drawer, all of Mack Weldon's basics have a consistent fit that you can count on. So, I mean, Felix, what have you liked? I mean, you and I are both big fans of Mack Weldon at this point in time. We, we both have a fair amount of Mack Weldon gear at this point in time. I actually am wearing the Ace sweatpants as we speak. This was not actually done on purpose. It is just because I love the Ace sweatpants so much and they are very comfortable that I have, I decided to put them on and it's a little bit chilly in my apartment today as, as uh, we are still in a little bit of a cold spell, granted, not that cold in the reality of the world, but very, very perfect. But I mean, what have been some of your favorite products from them? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I think the two things to really point out here with Mack Weldon is the versatility of the products and the actual fabric technology. But just in terms of the products that I've really enjoyed, the Ace Sweatpant has been fantastic. To me, the one that really kind of encapsulates everything, though, is the Radius Pant. So as someone who works from home, as someone who's really busy and, you know, I try to get my workouts in during the day, um, the Radius Pants, what they allow you to do is basically you can look put together, you know, at any point in time, they look like kind of business casual pants, but they have that technology, that air knit technology to where you can also go and work out in them, that they're stretchy. I've, I've squatted in those pants and they've held up, um, to, to my, my tiny, uh, squat totals there. So highly recommend those you've, you've talked about the ACE sweatpant. Those are extremely comfortable, just, just buttery smooth, really. And I'm actually wearing the Sunday lounge pant right now. So just a little, little Sunday touch that I try to try to go for here to really set the mood. Yeah. And I mean, one thing also with Mac Weldon is they have some body mapping technology and fabric mesh zones in their new stealth boxer briefs that deliver enhanced breathability and support uh, that are perfect for your everyday wear or to be layered underneath workout gear. And so, I mean, I, their, their, uh, boxer boxer briefs for workout are also absolutely extremely, fantastic. Extremely comfortable. Extremely I don't know how, I don't know how they do it, but as someone with like sensitive skin too, their materials are so soft. Like it's, it's actually insane. I don't know how they do it. it it's, it's absolutely amazing. Like their, their socks are also great. I'm someone who, uh, likes having a variety of different socks with different color palettes on them. And they, they provide a lot of different ones for you. If you're looking for some dress socks that, uh, can go nice with some dress shoes. You can wear them. Also, if you just want to wear them with sneakers, they work really well. So a lot of awesome, awesome products from uh, Mac Weldon. And they also have their Weldon Blue Totally Free Loyalty Program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. And Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can get them and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP and enter the promo code CTP. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP promo code CTP for 20% off. Mac Weldon, reinventing men's basics. Good job, Jake. Good job. Thank you. Highly recommend. Like these guys, these guys are awesome. They've been a pleasure to work with and can't recommend their product enough. Okay. Let's, uh, Let's keep going on here, though. We've still got plenty to talk about, folks. Don't you think for a second that we're running out of material here? So Eric Stevens put out an article today, which I do think kind of got the the wheels turning in our heads a little bit. 
particularly for you. I mean, it was probably like 8.30 a.m. And I think you had already texted me about it. I don't I, know. Technically, it was 9.30. Your clock may have said 8.30 because of daylight <laughs> savings. But... I actually hate daylight savings just today. Just today. It'll be great once, it's, you know, it'll yeah. be lighter out. Just do away with actual daylight savings. Losing that go. hour really sucked today. Go, I could have really I could have really used that extra we hour. We should have never gained the hour in the first place. Just, just keep us at the same summer schedule. I mean, sure. You're you're the you're the math guy here, so I trust you. Same, with the same summer schedule. Give us more sunlight in the afternoon, less sunlight in the morning. That's fine. I'm good with it. So okay, so now it'll be darker in the morning, correct? Yes, it will be darker in the morning. Morning, sunnier later in the afternoon. I am happy because I can surf after work again. I love dark mornings. I don't know why. There's just something about waking up when it's pitch black that just makes me feel alive. Anyway, all right, just. You can surf. That's great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about these trade tiers. So Eric Stevens put out an article with some trade tiers, which I think is worth reviewing. I'm not really going to go over whether I agree or disagree with the tiers that much or the reasoning behind them. Let's just go through some names. I mean, this is really just for our, our own purposes here. We're piggybacking off of it. Let me start here. Who is untouchable on the untouchable, untouchable for me, two players. Trevor Zegras and Zegras and Jamie Drysdale. That so you, is so you it. you agree with the Iceman? Yes, I believe that that is correct. That is those are the only two. Actually, I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go further than that to you with with where you're going from this. Not necessarily well, further. Actually, well, for further back, Zegras well, is the only untouchable to me. I I I, I like I I love Jamie Drysdale he, as a prospect, but he's not a forward. He mentions it briefly. The only way I would be possibly moving either of them as if it's for a bona fide superstar in Jack Eichel. Yeah. I mean, Zegras is really the only guy that I would have like physical pain trying yeah. like putting into a deal. Like it would, like if I wasn't in charge, it would really stress me out to put in Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale. He will go on to be a very good NHL defenseman, but at the end of the day, those are not, necessarily as foundational pieces as a true superstar forward forwards are more important than defensemen in my opinion in terms of just how high of a ceiling your team can have okay so we've established that at most there's two players that are untouchable on this team um there's another tier on here we'll just use his tiers i'm I'm sorry Tarek stevens if we're copying a little bit here who is the pretty untouchable tier is there anyone who's pretty untouchable the only pretty untouchable tier, and honestly, this is kind of where I kind of would put uh, Drysdale and Zegras, but we've already established where they're at. Pretty untouchable is probably going to be John Gibson, and that's it. Yeah, so the thing with Gibson is that even though I do think he's maybe this team's best trade chip, he is on a very reasonable deal. I think that we haven't really gotten the full value of John Gibson in the last couple of years. Not so much... Because of him, although he has taken some steps back here and there, but mostly just because of the awful environment he's been in, I still think that if behind a credible defense and team, he can be still a very good netminder. So I wouldn't be excited about trading him. But outside of that, I do kind of agree with you that there is there's no one in there who's pretty untouchable. So here's another one. The only if he wants to leave tier. It's it's Ryan Getzloff and that's it. I mean, I guess uh, technically I would probably throw Ryan Miller in there, but I don't really know if Ryan Miller gets you anything. Actually, you know what? I think Ryan Miller could actually get you a 
something. And he's, it allows been, he, he's not been good this year, but he allows him to chase the cup. I mean, I guess you would throw Ryan Miller in there out of respect for him that yeah. only if he wants to leave. So I would have Ryan Getzloff and Ryan Miller there. Yeah. I mean, that's the tough thing with Eric Stevens writing these kind of articles is that he has to talk to these guys all the time and they read what he writes, or at least the ducks do. So putting someone's name in a trade category, you got to be careful with that. So I yeah. get it. Um, the untradeable tier. So guys that you just cannot move. Now, I think Cam Fowler is solidly, solidly in this category because of his onerous deal, 6.5 million AAV. He's still got a four, he's four, still got he's still got five years left on that deal after this year. And so, he has a four-team no trade clause. So basically he has he a four, is, it's a four-team yes list. So he controls yeah. he can only get traded to four teams in the league. What if, and what if two his of those choice. teams are Pittsburgh and Boston? Then the ducks are set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and here's the thing: a lot of times these players, if they only have a four-team no trade list, as in four-team yes list. Mm-hmm. What they'll do and is they'll go ahead and the, if they are really want to stay with the Ducks and it can basically be a no move clause because they'll pick mm-hmm. teams that don't need them that that are yeah. strapped against the cap and so if if Cam Fowler really wants to stay Duck he could pick Toronto he could pick basically teams that cannot take him on and, yeah. and basically if his agent if he told his agent his agent would make it that yeah yeah so I mean with Cam Fowler though I I just think he's impossible to move. Yeah, like it, it, it's crazy because I don't think like I actually think he's been fine this season. I think he's been a lot better than I kind of thought, especially looking at some of his numbers. Like you look at his RAPM charts, like they've come down a bit as of late. Um, but he was on a really hot stretch for a while, and the 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 latest games have kind of tor- have kind of hurt his numbers a little bit. But he's still a guy that I think he'll age okay. He skates so well, right? That's like part of it here. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that that skating mm-hmm. will help him out. And the thing is mm-hmm. his skating has never necessarily been a, a speed situation. It's kind no. of more of a, an agility. Well, it's and the I fluidity. Think that, yeah. And I think that's something that can last. He, him a he, while. he expends very little energy skating and he hasn't really been injured a ton during his career. And I actually just want to quickly correct something I just said, like his numbers are almost like just unequivocally great across the board this year. Yeah. Maybe not been great. Good. Maybe not great, but like he is They're clearly good. he's clearly above average in almost every category. He's, he's probably been the best Ducks defenseman this year because I think uh, Campus Lindholm hasn't played enough. Yeah, I mean, I think the Lindholm has just been injured too much to necessarily consider him that. Well, I I think that if you factor in special teams, like especially the power play, then Fowler really surpasses him because Fowler's been been good on the power play this year, which has not always been the case for him. Um, anyways, so, so yeah, he's untradeable now. The guys who I think are kind of tricky in this one are Silverberg and Henrique because like like we've talked about with Silverberg and Henrique, they they are on tough deals to move, but they're not quite as prohibitive as Cam Fowler. There's less term. They've got three years left after this year. Henrique's got a 5.825 and Silverberg's got a 5.25. And I do think that those numbers are low enough to where if you are the Ducks, you should consider maybe retaining because yeah. if that allows you to get out of it or at least get out of half of it and you get an asset for it and potentially yep. a good one, because if you're another team, like if, if you're a team that's in its contending window and you can pick up an Adam Henrique or Jakob Silverberg at basically half off um, and you've only really got and, and you get three runs out of them, like there may be some teams that are interested in that. 
Yeah, I, I think that, that it's still so complicated because of the no trade clause, though. Yeah, I think the untradeable tier, I, I would have probably only put Cam Fowler in there. I, I think that Jack, the thing with Jack Silvering and Adam Henrique is I don't know. I don't know if anyone would take them on their contract and take their contract fully off the Ducks books. And I that, think then there would have the to be set, of the of why they're in, untradeable. Yeah. And so yeah. Th- I think there has to be, there would have to be some salary retention uh, there on well, the whole. And, and is, is part of the reason that they're in this untradeable category because maybe Eric Stevens knows the Ducks aren't willing to do that because if the Ducks are not willing to do that, which now is just me speculating, that would be very rich. That would be very ironic because this is a team that has no problem just kind of throwing money around. I mean, they bought out, Corey Perry for, for what I'm still not a hundred percent sure. Uh, so if the ducks aren't willing to retain because of some reason that would, that'd be pretty funny to me. Like you're going to pay these guys anyway, <laughs> like whether, whether you like it or not. So you might as well find a way to, to make it work for you in the long term. I mean, the ducks should absolutely be thinking about doing this if, if they're not already uh, to retain the full amount. Yeah, and so I, I think Cam Fowler is probably the only one that's untradeable, both due to his uh, no trade clause, along with the fact that he signed until twenty five, the the season of twenty five twenty six. So yeah. I mean, he signed at six and a half million for a very very long time, and as we've said a bunch on the show, it's not necessarily AAV that kills you; it's term, and and that's the situation. So there. a couple of a couple other names in this category, which kind of confused me a little bit. So Kevin Shattenkirk. I don't really know why he'd be untradeable. Like he's on a fairly reasonable contract yeah. that doesn't have a lot of term. I still like he proved last year that on a contender, he can be a really solid piece. Yep. I, I think he's been good enough this year on, with Anaheim. So I actually would, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm pushing back now, I don't mean to dump on Eric's piece, but just, I, I would push back a little bit on the notion that he is untradeable. Maybe the ducks are just not willing to trade him. Maybe yeah, that's what it is potentially. And so, yeah, I, I, I really think kind of there, there's one other player and Derek Grant on his list. I, I think that Derek Grant might be untradeable. Well, but... Grant is untradeable in the sense that I don't know who the hell would want him. He's yeah. been, he's been awful this year and he's has yeah. inexplicably three, like two years left on his deal. Like, yeah, he he'll be in a, like, I think by, if not this year, by next year, he'll be an AHLer. Yeah, I mean he he is functionally an AHLer just in the way he plays, but yeah, definitely at some point there will be so, a come to Jesus moment. So to circle back, I think you and I both agree Cam Fowler is the only one in this. Yeah, the truly untradeable guy to me is Cam Fowler because yeah. all the other guys you can make a reasonable argument for how to get out of them. I mean, and then of course there's Derek Grant. Who, by the way, my theory on Fowler, and I've said this to you, and mm-hmm. I've said it maybe on this show, um, if. Bob Murray is the general manager. No way he does this. But if Bob Murray is not the general manager by the expansion draft, what the Ducks should do is look at, and let's just say, for instance, they haven't moved Josh Manson at that point in time. They will potentially lose a Josh Maher in the expansion draft because of that. Um, Either Josh Maher or Josh Manson. What I would look to do is actually expose Cam Fowler in the expansion draft, mainly due to the fact that I don't know if Seattle wants to take that contract. And so essentially what you're doing is you're getting an additional uh, protected spot as a result of that. If you've moved Josh uh, Manson prior to the expansion draft, which we should circle back to is probably the reason why he's on the trade bait list is that the ducks probably have viewed him and now view how Josh Maher has played and want to protect Josh Maher over Manson. So they're looking to trade. Well, and but, also at some point, Jamie Drysdale is going to be a part of this team and he is a right-handed shot. So yeah, that, so that may, that may factor. So, so I think, I think you can potentially look to expose uh, Cam Fowler to Seattle because I don't think Seattle takes him. 
And so you're getting basically an extra protection spot. I mean, Seattle, I, I doubt what their analytics department, they're going to want to be saddled with a guy at six and a half million until the 25, 26 season. But you do need to meet the cap floor. Like you, you still need the, to. I, I think that they're going to want to take on a guy with a higher AAV and a whole lot less term. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I don't know, like the, the discourse on Fowler is kind of back and forth. Like there are some people who, are pretty smart who seem to really like him. No. So, and I, and I think he's great. Yeah. Like I'm a big cam Fowler fan. I have a cam Fowler Jersey, so, but I so, just think some, <laughs> I love how, like when you add in, I have a Jersey, it really like cements this statement. Yeah, it does. It does. But, you know? Well, but, I mean, I, I could, I don't think it's crazy that maybe they talk themselves into it, but yeah, it, it that contract is, but they could have the same discussion. We're having that. Maybe he'll age fine and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, okay. The next year, that it's time to rebuild and we need max value in return tier. So yeah, Raquel Manson. Yes. <laughs> a, th- a thousand times. Yes. I mean, I would, I would throw potentially John Gibson's name in here. I know I just said that he's maybe in my untouchables, but well, he I, is a guy who you get a crap ton of value for. I mean, if you move on from him, Ricard Raquel, Josh Abs- Manson. Absolutely. Because of their contracts. I would put Jacob Silverberg and Adam Henrique here mainly because Mm -hmm. their value is just going to get worse. It's not as if their value, their value, their value was higher a year or two ago than it is now. So they should move them then. But I, their value as of right now will never be, it's just going to get worse as they go on. I mean, Raquel and Manson are obvious because of how they have these really affordable deals with almost no term. I mean, you get one more year after this. Um, But yeah, I would definitely throw in Henrique and Silverberg, like you just said. It makes sense. Get the maximum value, even if it's a trade. Like this is the thing. Even if it's not the return you want, any return is still better than none. Because, like you just alluded to, their val their value is not going to go up after this year. It's just going to go down. So get out of it while you can. And you want the bold take from me? I always want the bold takes from you. Uh, also include uh, Hampus Lindholm in that list. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. I. He hasn't been popping into my mind because on cap friendly is on injured reserve. And so <laughs> the name just isn't like, I have to scroll down see his name. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, he, it, it is kind of interesting that, you know, Steven sees him as a pretty untouchable because look, Hampus Lindholm's a good defenseman. I think he's kind of shown in the last couple of years, he might not be quite as good as maybe he was showing earlier in his career, still a very solid defensive defenseman. And, on a fairly reasonable contract, he's got a year left, but that next contract is what scares me because I don't yeah. know how he's I don't know how he's going to age. The, the the injury history is starting to pile up a little bit, and you know he's probably going to want a pretty decent contract. And again, he's, is is that a guy you want to sign up for long term? I mean, if you're if you're Hampus Lindholm, the the starting point has to be Cam Fowler for him. Yeah, Fowler got eight times six point five, and also like, are the Ducks going to have this? you know, that this classic internal cap of no defenseman can make more than Cam Fowler because, and, and how is that going to go with Lindholm? Right. Well, and, and the I fact mean, that I guarantee I mean, to you, me, Lindholm should be asking for more well, than Cam Fowler. Keep in mind, remember, and, and this maybe has been lost kind of in the conversation, but both Ricardo Kell and Hampus Lindholm held out. Like neither yeah. of them, neither of them signed a contract to, before the season just to get playing and, and wanted to take a cheaper deal for the Ducks. Ricardo Kell ended up taking a, a lower value deal than, than Hampus Lindholm did. But I don't know if you remember this, but Hampus Lindholm had a quote back then that said, I'm not going to take less value than I'm worth. 
I need to set the table for all the people that come after me to get paid what they're yeah. worth. Yeah. And he got a pretty good deal. Like, like his, his current contract is pretty solid for, I mean, the AAV and the age where he's at like a pre UFA contract. That's a solid number. Yeah. So yeah, I would imagine he's probably going to take the same tact. I can't imagine he's super thrilled about how things have gone the last couple of years. And I could see it being a situation like with Raquel with where you sit down with the agent and maybe things aren't looking so rosy um, right yeah. now. And, and so it's another opportunity though, to get a ton of value because again, with Lindholm, same with Raquel and Manson, you can legitimately get some solid and, assets in return. And here's the thing with moving Hampus Lindholm, not only are you getting solid assets, but you need to have that conversation. I mean, I, I think previously I had said in the off season, I think you need to start figuring out where their agents at right now. Not necessarily that to sign an extension, but I think you can well, have preliminary conversations. The, what, because what's the uh, what's the like statute? Of, like when, what's the earliest that you can talk extension? Is it you a can, year before? You can have sign an extension a year before. Okay. So I, so I they're coming up. They're I think up. I think that they can probably send out feelers at this point to figure it out. But well, they probably um, already have. Yeah. And, and so my point is, if the feelers haven't come back well, you move him this deadline. You move him this deadline and you do it to maximize your return because as the trade tier says to get max value, you are getting maximum value moving Hampus Lindholm now because the team that you are trading him to gets two playoff runs out of him. And I can come I, back to the, I, can, I come can back. I speak from a fan perspective right now. Sure. So everyone knows I don't root for the ducks. Like they're not my team, quote unquote, but I can see how fans of the team would be, frustrated by what we're saying right now because it is frustrating to think that just five years ago everyone was excited about the fact that the ducks had this next wave of young players that were going to lead the charge with Raquel Lindholm Manson right that there was this next wave that was going to that was going to supplement guys like Perry Kessler Getzloff and to essentially be at the point you know five years after five six years after where now you basically have to move on from them because you haven't found a way to successfully surround them. It's kind of depressing. Like it sucks. Ideally guys like Lindholm and Raquel would be uh, cornerstones for this franchise moving forward. But because of the mismanagement on the margins, because of the, of how Bob Murray has bungled the last three years, it makes, it makes this unfortunately something that you, you have to do. You have to move on from them. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe you can speak to that. I don't know. How do you feel about that? That emotional component. Real quick, something I wanted to say on this yep. with, with the fact that um, uh, on Hampus Lindholm specifically with some people, I think on Raquel, some people said the same thing to me that they would actually get more in the offseason for him. And I disagree with that. And the reason why yeah. I, I I come back to this is I come back to the Kessler trade that was made. And Bob Murray actually came out and said that he was close to a deal um, at the deadline to get Ricard, or to get uh, Ryan Kessler and it would have been for the 2014 uh, playoff run. So it would have been against the Kings. And mm -hmm. that was that summer. He ended up trading for Ryan Kessler. The Canucks backed out of that deal for whatever reason at the deadline. Um, and basically Bob Murray has come out and said, he's like, they didn't get as much as I offered a significantly lower package afterwards. Cause they, I was not getting him for another playoff run. Yeah. I, I did. I missed out on the time having him. And so a team yeah. will pay more now to get him for the playoff run. Also, yep. before we keep moving forward, I want to say we now have in our Twitch chat and also calling us out on Twitter, the uh, Bob Murray parody account. Yes. Um, saying yes. listening to at the crash, the pond live on something called Twitch. 
and I can't believe the slander that is being said. Our roster construction over the past few years has been fine. The veteran leadership is what is keeping us back. <laughs> and, and now we have him in our Twitch chat also. So I thank you, this. Bob Murray, for joining us. <laughs> we, we, we have to stress fake Bob Murray. We don't Bob, want to get him in trouble. Bob, Bob Murray, fake GM, saying we are in our Twitch chat. We are still an exciting team. Fans need to be patient with our retool. And he's calling you out for using the word bungled. I love the word bungled. Bungalow. And, and so so getting back to this, Hampus Lindholm, they should be looking to move him, especially if the con- – I mean, I'm concerned over his next contract. I mean, you don't want two of those Cam Fowler deals on your cap hit. And so, yeah, so I think Hampus Lindholm is part of this tier. Yeah, so that was a very long-winded way. Nothing on, you know, whether you, you, you're you in your feels at all about this trade deadline and moving on from guys like Raquel and Lindholm. I mean, it's sad, but you're, I mean, you're, you're just a cold calculating. No, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm cold. It's not your spreadsheet. Yeah, no, it's not that I'm cold and calculated. It's, I mean, you're, you're just, you're just, you're seeing it from, this is what needs to be done. Yes. I'm seeing it from the the perspective of this is what needs to be done for this team to be better. But there are people who probably listen to us who do watch the team because they root for the guys. Like they're fans of the team. And I think that we have to be somewhat. No, I, I, I agree. And Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie is one of those. And you went over major points with her, uh, right then (laughs) and there. Um, That's what this is about. I'm I'm really just playing the long game here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I I think that there there's something there, but I think at the end of the day, as much as I love, day, you don't give a shit. Just just say yeah, it. yeah. It's okay. No, okay. at the end of the day, though, like I like the players on the Ducks team, no doubt. Like they these I've seen these guys come up, but I'm not a Ricard Raquel fan. I'm a Ducks fan, and so I want the Ducks to make moves that will eventually get the Ducks into contention again. Whether that has. Ricard yeah. Raquel, whether that has Troy Terry, whether that has Sam Steele, whether that even has Trevor Zegras doesn't necessarily matter to me that much. What matters to me is them making the necessary moves to push themselves into that conversation. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like ultimately you're viewing this, like this is for the betterment of the team. So yeah. it, it's not like you want to see guys leave. It's because that's what's necessary to make the team better. Okay. A couple more tiers here. I'm going to try to restrain myself here, but this is the useful and might be good to hang on to tier. Yanni Hockenpah and Nick Deloria's names are in here. Can can I adjust this tier? Because I think you and I both don't think this is actually a tier for either of these players. Um, can I change this to guys that just should be moved um, and whatever you can get in return? Great. Well, no, but do you think anyone fits that no. actual category? No. They're useful and might be good to hang on to. No. No. Well, yeah, because I feel like it's kind of this middle ground that doesn't totally exist in this conversation. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Yanni Hockenpah, like you should be looking to cash in on the season yeah. he's had. Yeah. And and exactly. instead of and instead of re-sign him to potentially two well, to three million, as is written in this article, get the hell out. Because I actually and I'm not saying that to to Stevens, I'm saying get the hell out of the contract, get the hell out of the player, because. I think he's played fine, but the way he's being talked about, especially by the Ducks, like, are they trying to boost his trade value? Is that what's going on? Because, yeah, he's been a good suppressor of, of, of scoring chances and shot quality, but that is almost exclusively what he does. Like, he doesn't give you any offense, whether it's from a team perspective, whether it's from an individual perspective. He also takes a lot of penalties. Um, I, he, I think he's... he's I, I think he's, he's a player that you need to get out of. He scored a really sweet own goal the other game. 
that that we'll get into. He has multiple um goals this season. This one was just another level, though. This was him legitimately shooting the puck into the goal, not just tipping off of him. Well, this this was him trying to clear the puck and putting it in the net. We're an hour into the podcast, so I don't know if we're gonna do a a recap of every single game. We'll do it, but there you go, everyone. The the recap of uh, one of the games, I believe it was the the six to one loss or five to one loss. Uh, Yanni Hakamba scored a beautiful own goal in that game. Um, but uh, no, I I think that yeah, if you if you can cash in, I mean, here's the thing, I don't I agree with you completely that that they should try to be cashing in on Hakamba. He's not really a roster player. He's not someone that's really necessary for this team moving forward. But let's just say for whatever reason they 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 love Yanni Hakapa. They want to keep him. They all these different things. Move him at the deadline. Get yourself draft capital and sign him in the offseason. Yeah. I guarantee you, I guarantee you Yanni Hakapa has goodwill for towards the Ducks for giving him this opportunity and this yeah. chance. And if you moved him to a playoff team and give him the chance to to play in the playoffs, I guarantee you the player would be appreciative appreciative of that and would want to sign with you in the offseason. So yeah. and like then- like th- this yeah. isn't rocket science. Like it's not that hard. Like I, I go back to, I did a little bit of a deep dive on the Leafs rebuild the other day and they did this with Daniel Winnick and flipped him for, you mean flipped yesterday? Him. I did it a couple days ago, but yesterday included, uh, I, they flipped him for like a second round pick one deadline, signed him again in the off season, flipped him for another second round pick. And, uh, the next deadline, yeah. like these hap- these things happen and you can cash in the Ducks should be looking to do the same thing with David Backus. They should, if you can get anything for Ben Hutton, do that. Like it, any guy that you can get uh, anywhere from a any sort of draft pick for, even if it's a sixth round pick, because here's one thing that's not being talked about that much. This year's draft is a crapshoot. <laughs> Out, outside of the first round, maybe even the top of the first round, a lot of the guys will not have been scouted that much this year. Yeah, they they will not have a whole lot of scouting. Not a lot of these guys will have played. The draft is going to happen this year. It's all but confirmed that that is happening in summer. So scouts are not going to be able to to really get a whole lot of good looks at these players that that are coming in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. So there's a chance that you could get a guy in the fourth, fifth round that would typically have been a second rounder. Yeah, like yeah, I agree with that. So um, if you can get a fourth or fifth round pick for for Yanni Hockenpah, yeah, for David Backus, somebody's gonna somebody would want if you can retain half of David Backus's salary. There, there's got to be a team in the league that would like to have David Backus just on their roster I for mean, a playoff he run. He would, he would be a worthy acquisition. Like he, if you have a defensive maybe lapse on your fourth line, he can come in and, and solve like, that. They, you can get David Backus at two point two five mil for the end of the year. Yeah. Now Nick Deloria's name is also here. I don't know why you'd hang on to him. If you can uh, move him, great. The reason why you here's the reason why you hang on to him, and, and this is the one reason and why you hold on. Some guys, you do have to have guys that meet the expansion draft uh, yes, exposure. Requirement. That is literally the only possible reason. Yeah, because that he, is he get, he provides you zero on ice value. Like I'm sorry, I, I I think it's great that he fights. He sticks up for his teammate. He makes an honest living, but in terms of the hockey element, not there. Uh, okay, let's just try to jam through these next few tiers here. Uh, there's a bunch more. Let, let, let's just go through names. Do you want to go through names? 
sure. Let's go through names. So Sorry, I'll, I'm I'm I'll, looking right I'll, now at exposure requirements to see kind of who will be exposed to the Ducks. And so, yeah, it looks like already meeting the requirements are Jacob Larson, Nick Delorier, Adam Henrique, or Jacob Silverberg. Okay, so. here I'll, I'll throw some names at you, and then let's try to fly through some recaps and get through and get to the questions. Yep. Are you ready for this? So sure. Max Max Contois. Safe. So you you wouldn't move him? No, I would not move him. Yeah, I think he's he's shown enough. He's on a cheap deal, um, or he's on his ELC. Uh, his RFA number should not be too crazy, and if anything, it'll probably be worth it. Isaac Lindstrom. Safe. He's 21. Last year of his ELC, I don't think he's shown a ton, but he's not going to cost I, you I, much. So I, why not I, I just- think... Why not just find out maybe in the next couple of years, you know, this was kind of a weird transition year for him. So maybe in the next three years, he takes that step forward. Yep. Uh, I, and, and, and that's fine. Uh, Max Jones safe. I, I honestly, to, to make your life easier here. Yeah. All, all of these kids, Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, uh, Josh, yeah, Maher, all, the, all these will, guys keep, keep them all. Unless for, well, well, for Sam, for, for Sam Steele, the issue is he's just got no trade value right now. I yeah. Would and same thing with like a Jacob Larson. They all just don't have trade values. And Jacob Larson needs to be kept for expansion draft exposure requirements. Yeah, I so, mean, th- the thing that I just don't get about this article is that, you know, with, you know, the fact that Terry is in the don't give up on them just yet unless you get proven talent. I mean, Terry is not at that point. Like, it's wild to me that that's how he's being discussed. Like, that that he has too many... Wow that he has too many flat, you know, peaks and valleys in his game that that confidence seems to waver. Like that is just too much narrative street. He like when he plays, he is an effective player. The empir- the empirical sources of information that we have like shows that, you know, just get get all of this get all of this just hokey stuff out of the conversation. It, it is not material. Um did, if something happened behind the scenes, you know, that I'm not aware of, then okay, maybe that changes things. But as far as what he does when he's on the ice, he is absolutely fine. The only reason that the Ducks are this harsh on him is because they have an undue expectation that he's going to be some point producer. Yep. They, they, they cannot, they don't understand how to evaluate him. And that is a tragedy, but if they don't, someone else will. Uh, yep. And also Steven's saying that someone, that the, that the Ducks are not. Uh, and actually I do want to say that this to, to clarify. So, this is the line. Elliot Friedman reported he heard Terry might be looking for a change of scenery, but a source indicated that is not the case. So Elliot Friedman didn't specifically say that Terry is looking for a change of scenery. So if the source is saying that that is not the case, well, that was never really the case to begin with. So does that then confirm that this is from the team side? Like what it, What exactly is that confirming or denying that line? Yeah, I mean, it's basically saying that it's not from the player it's side. Not from so. him. Yeah. If, if, if anything else. Okay. Yep. Yep. And and so, then with Steele, like, I get what you're saying on him, but I the here's the only reason why yeah. I would include those guys in a deal is if they're part of a bigger package. I like yeah. I, I I think that that's a, a big caveat. I would move any of those kids if it's part, even Max Comtois, if it's part of a bigger package yeah. for for a, a good pe- a, a big piece. Yeah. yeah, but. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing those guys at a deadline in a hockey trade type. And of also, to be honest, if I'm the Ducks, like I'm not even really thinking about those big kind of swing for a superstar deals. Right I also now. think that 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 these are the guys that you shouldn't necessarily be looking to move. Well, well, that's the thing. And if you trade all these guys to get the superstar, you've then got no infrastructure for that star to come into. 
you, you're basically gutted everything just to get him. And that doesn't seem like a great scenario. Other names, I mean, you, you're talking about Larson, Heinen, Hutton, Rowney, Milano, Gooley, like, you know, it's just kind of sure. If you can, you can. Yeah. Uh, Carter Rowney's season is over. Yep. Four to six months is the timeline yep. there. Yep. Knee injury. Yeah. So that really sucks. One him, thing that one thing that was brought up to me was a uh, good friend Benny uh, had mentioned that meniscus typically is three months, so he thought it was weird that the Ducks announced four to six. But there's really no kind of. I think that it's maybe just the medial, evaluation medial meniscus. There was some well, other. Well, I, I think the other thing there, there's not really any. His initial read was potential, uh, saying it's longer because of the season, but the season's over in like a month or two. So. This even if it was a three month recovery, the season would be over prior to that. So, um, yeah, his season's done. His Ducks career probably done. Um, yeah, I mean, like I he's think a UFA. He'll, he'll definitely be able to find a contract somewhere else. And of those four guys, or of those three guys in the fourth line, like he is by far the one that is to me at least some level of NHL player. Like he can at least do something out there. Um, the numbers bear that out. He's an okay defensive player, and he's just not awful pretty much in any other category. Whereas with Grant and Delorier, you just can't say that at all. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So wishing, so, sending best wishes to yes. Carter Rowney. Yes, definitely. Definitely there. Okay. Well, do you want to fly through these games? Sure. Because well, there are, there are quite a few to talk about. Well, let's we, go for it. We had two different series from yep. uh, the past week. So if you want to kind of just blitz LA through the series. Yes. Yeah, well, well, so we did a watch along this week. Uh, and this was, this was a fun one. I gotta say, this was our most exciting watch along that we've done so far. The ducks winning a big one against the rival LA Kings six to five in overtime to me, the highlight of the night. I mean, it is the highlight of the night is Trevor Zegras setting up Henrique for that OT winner after once again, you know, benched being benched for absolutely no reason. Uh, so this was a, a fun game and look, Ricard Raquel picking up two goals, uh, just an exciting one, even though like I don't think the Ducks necessarily played that well. I don't think either team really played that well. It was a fun game to watch. Yeah, it was 100% a fun game to watch. I mean, the, this was not the coming out party for Ricard Raquel because he had had a bunch of good games before this in terms of point production. And But this was the game where he had two goals and assist. One of the goals being that ridiculous backhand shelf goal that, that he put in. And so it was a really fun game to watch. It was a back and forth game. Um, one that, I mean, the main issue with this game, and this is going to be kind of a bit of the, the main issue for the ducks in the past week penalties. The LA Kings are not a good team at five on five. And now granted in this game, they had the better of five on five play against the ducks. But the issue, the, the reason why the Kings are, in the position that they are is a little bit of unsustainable play. I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a part of that, a little bit of PDO going their way. I but thought they, it was because the veterans are playing so well. Yeah. And everybody's got in and don't buy into that narrative. People, they are bad. They're a bad team. <laughs> I just they're wanted big, to get your reaction there. The Kings are a bad team. This is actually a very good thing for the ducks in the long run because they're not making the playoffs. They're bad. They're just not going to have as good of a pick this year. Yeah, I know but, it's, this is actually not that great for the Kings. Although to be fair, they've amassed so many prospects. It's not quite as yeah, bad. No, but, yeah. but it, it doesn't help them in this aspect, but the, the Kings basically was propping them up right now is a very, very killer power play, um, which is unsustainably hot right now, but it is hot. And as hockey goes, 
Uh, it's it, hockey is a streaky game. If if you get hot and you start scoring goals, you can outshoot some of uh, where the regression sh- should be, and then eventually you'll come back down to earth with a cold streak. So the Kings are right now in that hot streak, and the Ducks took a lot of penalties in this game. Um, I'm trying to right now look, but the Ducks took four penalties o- over the course uh, of this game, and they were made to or they were uh, punished a little bit by the Kings. The Kings had. Uh, Two power play goals. Now, granted, the Ducks were able to get one back with Jacob Silverberg's shorthanded goal in this game. But, I mean, the Kings, like I said, two power play goals out, two for four in this game. The Ducks were were flirting dangerously with that in this game. And that would become a theme throughout the rest of the week for this Ducks team. I mean, they, they obviously got away with it, got the overtime win, and that was two wins in a row, actually, for the Ducks. Now, granted, both of them were in overtime. Um, yep. Funny, funny enough that... Uh, you know, playing a high skilled player in overtime ends up resulting in a, in a very nice chance yeah. and a goal happening. I do want to talk about that ter- that Zegras assist just for a second. I mean, yeah, go for it. The way that he set up Dowdy on that play, holding that puck in the in the loaded position in a shooting position, so that the defender has to respect the shot threat and the pass threat, and just slinging it back just a little bit to open up the lane and then slip it through. I think it was Dowdy's underneath Dowdy's stick and over to Henrique. Just, just really uh, an insanely high level play, high, high hockey IQ, high skill to execute it. Um, it just kind of shows what Trevor Zegers can do with time and space. And again, like he's not always going to be on a two on one in a three on three overtime, but I just think you've got to like give this guy as many opportunities as, as you can to, to have cracks at it because he can make something out of nothing. And that's, that's kind of what we saw in that play. Of course he did have a lot of space, but just uh, something for ducks fans, I think to really hang their hat on it it took, which is crazy that it took Dallas Aikens like what three or four. It was like what at the two minute mark when the goal was scored, I've actually kind of gone away from the page, but I can, I can look that up really quickly, but basically it took him that long to get uh, Trevor Zegers onto the ice in three on three overtime. I mean, he had had not touched the ice yet. The goal was scored at three minutes. So basically I think that he got on the ice with when two or two, there had been at least like two or three line changes prior to him coming out on the ice and it took that long for that to happen. And it's just, I mean, it, it's the exact reason thing that we've been talking about with the complete kind of mismanagement of this ducks roster throughout the course of the season. It's, it's little things like that where, I mean, this has been the the prevailing theme since Trevor Zegers has come up is that uh, Dallas Aikens has treated him with kid gloves and, yeah. and, and there's just, there's just really no need for it to this degree. No, um, he's, he's good enough to play in the NHL and he should be treated as such. Like stop, stop doing this and stop hurting your team as a result of it. Play your players. Well, that's the funny thing is that this is a team that's starved for offense. And like, that's what Trevor Seacrest gives you in spades. Um, Next game, the ducks would lose five to one to the Kings. And this would kind of start a really bad stretch where they lost two really ugly games to what I kind of thought were just lifeless games. I know that the ducks had some, okay moments at five on five, but the only goal they got that night was from Sam Steele. And, you know, once again, I mean, you would see just the the parade to the penalty box for the ducks really hurting them in different stretches. And I don't know, just kind of one of those, one of those games. I mean, honestly, that kind of just makes you ask some questions about where this team is at at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does. And I think the, the other 
notable takeaway from this game. I mean, first off, once again, penalties, big issue for this Ducks team in this game um, on the whole. I mean, they they took a bunch of penalties and they got punished once again by the and Kings for it. They were also they were also playing that the Kings had to start Troy Grosnick, who is a career AHL goaltender, and they could only get one by him. And they just never really never really the, threatened i mean to to uh, like you, you would think that they would really do everything they possibly can to get shots on net and it just never really materialized yeah and in this game so this was the game where the the kings scored two power play goals in the first and second period to take a two nothing lead and the ducks got back to within two to one but never got close and so i mean taking those penalties put them behind the eight ball and so they they ended up uh spotting the kings a two nothing lead because of the the penalty situation and uh it, it it's a bad Bad thing to happen for this Ducks team. And the other thing kind of of note in this game, first off, Yanni Hakamo is just a beauty of an own goal in this game on the IX. Uh, the <laughs> well, Alex I follow goal. Terry, but Terry scratched. I mean, Terry just, was hurt. Terry was hurt. In this oh, that's game. right. He's hurt. Sorry. He was, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was hurt in this game and was uh, what they ended up doing was they ended up bringing in Vinny Letary. Noted NHLer when you have uh, Danton Heinen on your roster being scratched. You have David Backus on your roster being scratched or left on the taxi squad. And you bring in Vinny Letary. And not only do you, do you do that, you put him on the first power play unit with Trevor Zegers. Well, you know why Jake, come on. Oh, why? Why? Come on. It, you don't know why it, enlighten me here. Enlighten me to what you've heard about why uh, well, Vinny Letary is based on, the on first what I've heard. Unit. Based on what I've heard from, you know, former NHL or Brian Hayward and current collar commentator, uh, Brian Hayward, it's because of his one-timer, his one-timer ability, which is something that the Ducks have lacked. Now, I'm sure that Brian Hayward got that from Dallas Akins because the commentators get to talk to the coaches at every opportunity. So I don't think he's drawing that out of thin air. So that is the thought process behind Vinny Letary, career AHLer, being on the power play I mean, for the Anaheim Ducks at times instead of much, much better players. Like, like this is actual insanity. This yeah. is batshit crazy. Yeah. It, it is absolutely insane. What the hell? The fact that, and so he's out there with Adam Henrique, Kevin Shattenkirk, Jacob Silverberg, and Trevor Zegers. Like, first off, how I felt so awful in, it was both, and I mean, we'll get into the Sharks we need, game in we a need little to bit. Make, we, we need to make a meme. You know how we did big booming shot for Curran? Yeah. We, we need like elite one T for, for Letary. One T Letary. One T Letary? Something like that. Like, we one, need to get one, that going. One T Vinny? One T Vinny. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. but like whenever Zegers had the puck, I believe it happened in both the Kings and the Sharks game that, I mean, basically what the penalty kill did was they kind of had three guys swarm him. And the issue is, is that nobody moved away from the puck. Basically yeah. Trevor Zegers is sitting there, stick handling, stick handling, stick, stick handling, looking for someone to pass the puck to someone to open themselves up, open up a passing lane. Nobody's moving. Like it, yeah. I like R very static. Trevor Zegras is a great playmaker, but you need to have guys that are NHL quality moving away. And I mean, this is also a shot of Jacob Silverberg and Adam Henrique on that power play, not moving well enough to open up lanes. Well, now, granted, Adam I mean, Henrique, Adam Henrique is the net front presence. Jacob Silverberg is in the bumper this is position. All, this is all just a big indictment of the coaching staff. To me. Yeah. Like there needs to be a better alignment of the power play. I mean, it would be absolutely fantastic for Ricard Raquel to be there and base or Ryan Getzloff. Have Ryan Getzloff on the half wall and him and Zegers can kind of move it back and forth, opening up lanes for different people. So it, it's just, it, it's yeah, crazy I, to me. I actually, I don't think that moving away from the puck is as important, but 
it's it's something you'd like to see some degree of. And yeah, I mean, this just all goes back to the fact that the Ducks don't have have never have not had true direction on the power play in I will say since 2017. Mark Morrison has been a disaster as an assistant coach. I think that that's completely fair to say. I think Bob Murray agrees with me on that. I mean, if you read Bob Murray's comments about how the season has gone, he's basically said everything but Mark Morrison's name in these comments about how bad the power play has been. Um, and so I would expect there to be a change there going to next season, which is a positive, even if the Ducks do hang on to Aikens and Murray. So yeah, and then of course the Ducks would lose the following game. And this was the one where it felt like the wheels just fell off the wagon. I mean, they lose six, nothing to the San Jose sharks, a sharks team who the, the ducks have beaten this season. It's not as if this is a team that's so far ahead of them. And really where things just kind of came unhinged was the third period. You know, the ducks were actually playing an okay five on five game through 40 minutes and then just went to complete hell in the third, giving up four goals. And I mean, you would see John Gibson, and just extreme frustration gets pulled from the game. Um, and, you know, after the game, Aikens, even someone insinuating that, you know, Gibson's got to be careful oh. how he reacts. Just just one of those games where it felt like all of the worst things about this team just coming to light. I mean, uh, anyway, what, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was a bad game. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, the Ducks really <laughs> Real bad. The, the Ducks really lacks getting some some necessary quality against a, an awful goalie in Devin Dubnik. Like, there's no other way around it. Devin Dubnik is a bad goalie in the NHL. The Minnesota Wild are thriving because he's gone. And yep. that's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. They're getting oh. actual NHL quality goalie uh, goaltending. And so, I mean, the, the broadcast crew would have had you think that Devin Dubnik is this massive goalie and that's what's making him thrive. It's like, no, the Ducks' shot quality was poor. Yep. Yep. No, it's because he's big. Um, and then moving on into last night's game, I mean, the Ducks would lose three to one. They scratched Trevor Zegras because, you know, that's what you got to do. We, because, you know, you know the, the kid gloves have to be on these hands and well, he because, can't, you know, he, he at, can't at nine, play him back to back. At 19 years of age, when, you know, at least when I was 19, I would never get tired. It would not get hangovers. You know, you probably do get tired of playing back to backs. It is probably harder. You, know, you got to wait a couple of years to play back to back. So anyway, it's not scratch. it's not as if he hasn't played back to backs already in the AHL. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like, what is this insanity? Um, and Vinny Del Terry still in the lineup. Like, that is the crazy thing. Still elite, on the first power play unit. Elite one T big booming clapper Vinny Letary, who I'm being told rang one off the bar in the first game. So good for him. Uh, you know, gotta keep him in there because Trevor Zegers might get a little tired, might get a little tired by playing back to back games. And we don't we don't want to we don't want to hurt and compromise his development by having him be tired. That would not be good for him. Yeah, it, it it's just, it, I mean, it's just poor decision-making on poor. De like the Ducks roster is already not that, like it's not good enough to make the playoffs. And the coaching staff is doing them not no favors by setting up the roster the way they have. Leave, treating Trevor Zegras like he's never played a hockey game before in his life. Because in reality, that's what they're doing. They're playing Trevor Zegras I mean, the Ducks basically, Trevor Zegers is good enough. All you have to do is let him play. And I actually, you and I agree that he should be on the Ducks. Like, no doubt that he is good enough to be in the he's NHL. Good, this this he's is good where, enough in part because he's kind of too good for the AHL. Yeah. So like where else this, are you going to play him? Th this is where he should be. But doing this with him does him no favors. Like, if you're going to be doing this to him for the rest of the year, like, just send him down. 
Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're actually, here's one reason why you could send me down. One thing I realized this week, yes, the ELC is burned. I've long said that actually doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Um, one thing that is of note is that, uh, years of service do, do come into play somewhat here. Um, if he plays, I think typically it's 40 games, um, out of 82. And so that's probably prorated down to whatever out of 56, um, then this season counts as a year of service and counts as one year towards, um, unrestricted free agency mm-hmm. and counts a, as year one of seven. Um, so basically if, uh, if he doesn't, then this does not count as a year. Although the one thing I haven't done the deep dive on is it's seven years of service or 27 years old. So I'm not sure if this year actually makes that big of a difference. I think it might though, but regardless, the point in all of this is there could be a reason why they send him down, even though they've burned the year. Um, yeah. I think that he should stay in the NHL. He, he's too good for the AHL, but if you're going to treat him like this and do this to him, then just send him down. I mean, yeah. he should like the, the ducks aren't winning, aren't making the playoffs. Like this isn't a bold statement by me. This isn't no. something me going out of my way here. The ducks are fifth worst in the league by points percentage. Um, they are by far the worst team in the, uh, Pacific or in the West division. I mean, they are currently three points behind the sharks and the sharks have four games in hand. Yeah. Like, well, another thing I didn't want to bring up about last night is that Troy Terry did get back into the lineup and, uh, and Danton Heinen also got back into the lineup, which is kind of just makes it even crazier that they scratch Seagrass because they're not crazier, but unfortunate because you get these guys in who should be playing, but then it has to come at the cost of Trevor Zegers because Danton Heinen or because Vinny Letary can't come out of the lineup or, you know, it, it, it's just that kind of logic. Nick Delorier can't come out of the lineup. Um, but got to say, Jake, Tro- Troy Terry last night, two giveaways. Can't have that. Yeah. L- led it, the team in giveaways. Completely ignoring the fact that when he was on the ice, the Ducks actually looked dangerous throughout the entirety of the game. The Ducks front office only looks at the game sheet. That's from NHL.com. Probably. And guess who led the Ducks and expected goals for percentage last night? Oh, Troy Terry. Yep. Troy Terry. 0.654.46 against. uh, That's what he does. Like only only one of two ducks, actually. Guess who's the only other duck above 50%? Granted, varies very slightly at 50.51. Only other duck, Danton Heinen. Yep. (laughs) The two guys. Like, And and this is something we've talked about in the past, but I also don't really understand the, the rush to get rid of Danton Heinen. Like, he's a fine player kind of fits the age range. Like it, another weird thing, but okay. Let's um, any final thoughts in that game, because we are now an hour and a half in and we should probably be looking to slowly get, wrap up here. Get, get to, we, we should get to get some, to some quick, questions. Get yeah, to some questions. To, so let's get some questions. Yeah. So people uh, in the Twitch chat, start throwing them in, but no, I, I don't really think anything else of note. David back is drew back in. Um, the only other thing is he was put on waivers yesterday. Most likely, uh, he will clear waivers completely. Nobody wants that contract on the whole. Uh, someone would probably take it in terms of uh, 50% retained. But the reason why that happened is last night was his 10th game. As a result of that, he needs waivers <laughs> again to be good to go back to the taxi squad. I just want to say the best part of the stream is your cat Salem in your background. Just she's just living her best life back there. Look oh, in her you, paws. you missed it earlier in the show. I, I didn't mention it. But there was at one point where, so she's been sleeping this whole time. She legitimately like stretched out and she did the thing where her arms were straight up in the air and her head was curled back and you could see her arms up in the air. Like she was want to ask a question as she was taking a nap. 
Oh, I saw her curl up into a ball too, which was great. She's the yeah. best. Yep. She's, she's going for a yawn right now. She's she, just waking she, up. From she her brings, now. she brings the stability to the show. Yeah. You know, she, she's the glue. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So let's, um, let's try to get in some questions if, so, if there yeah. are any. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond, um, or on your favorite podcast services. Uh, we do a live stream on the show each and every time, every Sunday at 8 PM, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash the pond, where you can watch us live and, uh, help, uh, support the show. If you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days to resub to the channel and want to give a shout out to a couple of people that have done that. And also if, if you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub each and every month. So science cat one Oh eight, who is our good friend, Jess from our beer league team resubbed for six months, Sean Salisbury or Salisbury, uh, subbed, uh, bionic Chris gifted a sub to Gabe green Lee science cat one Oh eight gifted a sub to Dan's the man. And I believe that is it for subs. Apologies. That is what I'm seeing. If there was one that potentially got, miss so let's get to this question let's start with this one because sean d salisbury actually did a, a highlighted message as a result of him subbing said why do you all think uh or who do you all think is a fit for head coach and general manager so assuming the ducks end up firing bob murray and dallas akins at the end of the year who do you think would be a fit well first off just want to say that's not a safe assumption but <coughs> sorry whoa <laughs> uh I do think Mike Gillis would be a guy that I would really try to target. We've, we've brought his name up in the past quite a bit. I think he's a guy who was ahead of his time during the Vancouver run. I think he's been out of the game for a while now, but I think that just based off the interviews I've heard with him, he kind of has that forward thinking mindset that I think the ducks could really benefit from. I don't know how heavily he is into analytics, but it sounds like he's more open to it. And that is just the kind of GM the ducks need. I think and, actually and, and for I, head coach, who do you have? So uh, real quick on the GM, I agree completely. I actually would really like to see him in a president of hockey ops role and Lawrence Gilman, who was his right-hand man in Vancouver, be mm -hmm. given the GM role. And I think those two worked really well together. Yeah. I think that Gillis, maybe from his experience, I think would be really good in a president of hockey ops role. Yeah, so, and another name that I know is kind of more out of the box, but I mean, I would love to see the Ducks make an out-of-the-box hire. Um, I mean, Tyler Dell has been in the NHL for quite a bit of time now. He's... I mean, just when he was out in the public sphere, I always really loved hearing his thoughts. I think he's got a good skeptical mind. Yep. And he's he's sounds like he's rising up in prominence in New Jersey. And I do think that he might be at that point where let's give him the wheel and see what he yeah, can do. Yeah, and I and I think giving a maybe having a president of hockey ops like a Gillis above him would be a good idea. Yeah, like a Delo Gillis tandem would be pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> as for coach, I mean, I think the the two obvious options are Bruce Boudreau and Gerard Gallant. I think Boudreau would be an awesome fit. He knows the area, knows the the team, knows the Samuelis. If I they mean, brought it, back Boudreau. I mean, I'm not a big person for retreads mainly because of um because but, of the, but Boudreaux isn't your classic retread. No, he's not. He's, he's actually good. Like he well, deserves and, to be a retread. If that makes well, sense. The other thing is that the this would be done without Murray, and I think that's a yeah. key aspect of this. Well, they and didn't get so, along, which is exactly no. That yeah. would be why it would have to be if Murray is gone. That's the only way Bruce would come back. And then Gerard Gallant's also a no-brainer. Um, I would personally stay away from Mike Babcock at this Cole, point. Cole in Julian time. is a name that's out there. Um, I don't know if he would be a great fit for this team, but he would improve the team. Well, I don't think Boudreaux is a great fit either. I mean, the thing is, although I, I think Boudreaux is a great coach, like the Ducks are going to be in a rebuild for a while. And, you know, Boudreaux, Julian, 
these are some older guys and do they want to be part of a rebuild? I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards for them. So we'll see. I don't, I, I don't have a uh, really a Rolodex of, of candidates for, for head coach, but I would look to go younger, look to go forward thinking, maybe go back to the AHL well again and see what you can find there. Like dig up the next Sheldon Keefe. See if you can do yeah. that. So NJ Devils fan 68 asks us, what are your thoughts on the goals losing players to call-ups and also having to go back to juniors while teams like Bakersfield get to add players like uh, Raphael Lavoie, Philip Broberg, um, different yeah. things like that. I mean, them, them's the breaks of the AHL yep. of minor league hockey. Like that's yep. just kind of the nature of it, unfortunately. Yep. 100%. I mean, that's how it goes, especially when you have these high end talents and yeah, I and mean, this is a weird year for that too. Yes. 100%. Exactly. And, uh, Mr. Arrow 91 said, how much longer does Murray get to hold this team down? I think he gets through the end of his contract. Like I, I actually don't think the Samuelis will fire him as much as I think that that's what they should do. Um, he has, I believe one more year left in his contract. Am I wrong on that? It's 2022, right? It's, yeah. it's the year yeah, after yeah, yeah, the yeah, expansion yeah. draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has one more year. So I think he gets to the end. And then I don't know. I mean, are the Samuelis going to extend him? Like, is that in the cards? Not if they're bad still. Like, that. that's the thing. If the Ducks are bad next season, I just, I think he, even though this is completely outside of how I view it, I think in the minds of the Samuelis, it's, it's a COVID year. It's a weird season. There's no fans anyway. I almost feel like they're writing this one off to begin with. So if the ducks are not back to some form of relevancy next year, then I think they just don't extend him and go a different direction. So I think next year is the one. And I know that people probably hate hearing that, but that's, that's kind of like my most realistic read on the situation. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's get to, let's go to this question. Uh, Tristan missed. Uh, so now that we've talked about Murray. Do you think Aikens will be fired after this season? Um, look, uh, you know, Bob Murray gave Dallas Aikens the, the vote of confidence. Now, how much is that really worth? We do know that the Ducks were looking to make tweaks to their coaching staff before the season started. Um, I think if they could have found a way to get Daryl Sutter behind the bench, I think they would have uh, as an assistant. But I, I still like it's the same thing as with. Um, as with Bob Murray, like I think Aikens has another year left on his contract and they're probably just going to write it out. Like that's like, again, we got to somewhat consider the financial component of this. The Samuelis probably don't want to pay people not to work for them when their bottom line is hurting to begin with. So I don't think anyone's getting fired guys. I'm really sorry to say it, but I, I think that's how it's trending. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I would be happy to prove wrong. Not because I want people to lose their jobs, but because I think that that's what this team needs is for a change in leadership. So we will, we will see, but I, mm -hmm. I'm not expecting it to happen. All right. So let's maybe, say maybe, do you have a different opinion in me on that? No, I don't. I, I okay. think that I'd like to see him fired. I don't really expect it. Honestly, if honestly, okay. if he does get fired, it's not going to be until the end of the year. I think there's also the COVID protocol issue that, that's coming into play. Yeah. So if they decide to move on, it's not going to happen until after the season at the earliest. Uh, I think that you're kind of spot on with some things there though. Um, so let me ask, uh, let's hit three more questions from the Twitch chat. So Stephen NHL said, why didn't the Ducks rebuild after the, they got swept in the playoffs by the Sharks? Um, because I think that they still viewed themselves as a competitive team. They had brought in guys to make them to remain competitive. They had had a great season from John Gibson. They had a hundred plus point year before that. 
they had a good season from Ryan Getzloff that year. So I think that they still believe that they could get back in. Was it a crazy thought? I don't know. I mean, I it, it, was, it was starting to trend in the wrong direction because despite their regular season success, the underlying metrics were really starting to take a nosedive. And whereas right. in 16, 17, the Ducks were, I think, legitimately good. They were definitely were not to that same degree the following year. Yeah. Um, so M young asks after icing the same defense for the past, like eight games or so, uh, that's letting a certain amount of goals. Would you think of finally giving big, big booming shot a chance cough? Please no more Larson. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So Jacob Larson and Ben Hutton have both been generally awful this season. And it does kind of beg the question the the ducks gave Cody Curran a contract and not like a, not like a frivolous deal. Like they gave him a million dollars and like, don't you want to maybe find out if he can play? Um, and sorry, he's got two years. Um, so yeah, at some point, uh, why not? Why the hell not? It, it, it's kind of baffling to me that he hasn't gotten a chance yet, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, NK and or NKD Nguyen 9089 says, have you guys played hockey before? Yes. Felix and I actually are on a beer league team together. We've done the pod classic. So yes, we play low-level beer league. Yeah, um, if you can't see my background, I've got a couple twigs and some pucks back there. Yeah, yeah I, I was a goalie growing up, so I don't know what I'm talking couple, about. A couple more actual quick ones. Um, if there is a Ricard, if Ricard Raquel is part of a package for Jack Eichel, what more do you think it would take from Hardcore Luchador? And would you do it uh, oh, in oh. that package? Well, they would probably ask for Contois. They would probably ask for a pick. They would probably ask for Zegris. Yep. I would imagine. And that's where I think it's just not worth it anymore because you're basically having to strip it all the way down to the point where, yeah, you get like, I'm of two, I'm a bit conflicted on this, to be honest, because on one hand, Jack Eichel is amazingly good. He's 24, he's locked into his deal. And maybe it is worth just bringing him into a skeleton crew and building around him. But I think that it, that is just a tougher proposition. So I don't, I don't know 100% where I land on that, to be honest with you. Fair enough. Um, so Odog81 says, Gibson looks mad lately. Do you see him potentially requesting a trade? I don't know. I mean, I think that, yeah, he's been looking pissed all season. This team isn't going anywhere. I don't think that, like, I don't know if, I don't think they'll be pushing for a playoff spot next year either. Uh, I would imagine John Gibson wants to win some games. So I don't think it's impossible. No, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. And uh, this one's specifically for me. And then we'll end with one kind of question we got from Twitter that I think is a fun way to wrap this up. Uh, NJ devils fan said wrestling question. You can put two people in a barbed wire exploding death match, which was on AEW revolution last week. Who would you put into this match? Um, wow. That that's actually a, tough question for me because i'm trying to really think i think moxley would have to be in it i mean he's just kind of really built for that type of match and he showed why uh i really think moxley versus kingston in that match would be just a banger i mean that would be so much fun to watch both those guys know how to pull out the best of each other they've had some great matches i I, they've gone to that well already but i think that eventually if that's the big blow off i think moxley versus uh kingston would be absolutely amazing in that match so let's go with that uh you have no opinions i know that 
uh, nope. on that, right? Nope. Uh, so let's end with this. So even Wilderwing asks this question for tonight's pod. Did you guys start the podcast because the team's future looked bright uh, at the time? How has your perspective on the pod been affected by this drought? And said, P.S., thanks for sticking with it. Also want to say, got a, l- a couple nice messages from people out there when I had a little bit of rant and said, uh, uh, I've never felt so hopeless as a Ducks fan, let alone. <laughs> I've never felt so alone. So cold. <laughs> let, let alone one that, that does a podcast and covers this team. And, and I had yeah. a lot of people kind of reach out saying like, we really like are thankful that you kind of do the show. And I can't imagine. So I want to just say thank you. Honestly, the reason why I keep pushing through why you and I have started a blog, a, 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 gone on our own and started our own blog throughout all this. T-shirts. We have t-shirts also it is that I, I think we do it because of everyone that listens. And I think in our own little way, it makes an impact for everyone else and provides entertainment. And I think that, yeah, the, the, I, feed, the feedback we get from everyone is what makes me want to keep going. Yeah. I mean, we're just at the point where we can't walk away. Like it's just, it's, we would be walking away from something that brings us joy. So, it, I mean, I do think that, so to answer the question though, I don't know if you actually answered it there. Or not. No, I didn't. Um, yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. Um, yeah. I mean, we'd started it just kind of haphazardly. Like I just hit up Jake and was like, Hey, you want to do a pod? Like for one game, it was a, it was a one yeah. game call up. We, we, ne- we had never talked before. We had show. never spoken. Like we had barely spoken. And I was just a writer at Anaheim calling looking to start an Anaheim calling. Well, we had an Anaheim calling podcast that JC and I did, but it was like more of a, it was like maybe a couple, like how often was it? Like a couple times a month, maybe it, it wasn't that often. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember, but then I, I, hit up I listened. I don't remember. I hit up Jake yeah. and I was like, do you want to do a pod? I was trying to get it going every game. And Jake was like, yes. And one game turned into two, turned into three, turned into, you know, however many we're at. Maybe we'll hit a thousand games. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll I have, have a no, silver stick. I'm night. curious how many episodes we're at now, but <laughs> I, I, it would take a long yeah. time to so figure that out because we don't it, have them all up anymore. We started it just because I wanted to do a podcast and then Jake came along for the ride. And I mean, Jake basically took it over after that. Um, and how has our perspective on the pod been affected? I mean, I'm not going to lie. There have been some Sundays where I've been like, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about this week like this team is just bumming me out. Uh, but at the end of the day, I always get sucked back in because and there, there's always something. There's always something to talk about. Yeah. I think there's always something to talk about. No doubt. I think last year it was tougher at times doing a post game type show after every single game where a lot of times the narrative for every game is exactly the same. And so breaking it down doesn't uh, necessarily change. And so I'm, it feels, it feels I'm, a I'm bit glad repetitive. We, I'm glad we got off of that, that format. Yeah, it, it, not, it, not because I I didn't like doing it, but it did feel like it felt know, repetitive. It got repetitive. It, yeah, it got yeah. very very repetitive. I, I think that format. The first season we did this, obviously it, that was that was the seventeen eighteen year. So that was the year the Ducks had a hundred plus point year. It was and, a good launching pad for us, especially that year because the team was still interesting game to game. Like like it felt like the games mattered, and so I think that that's when that format works. But when you have a team like this. I mean, I know that there are other podcasts that do game by game. My hat comes off to them, but personally, I, I like my Sunday nights. And I think it's a not giving too much behind the scenes things. It's allowed us to kind of boost up things like our Patreon that I think 
allow yeah. us to go different avenues that aren't necessarily down the same rabbit hole. I think it opens us up not to to do too much of a plug or anything like that, but it allows us to potentially do post game Warzone streams like we did. Uh, after, <laughs> no, but like that's where you were going with that. I had yeah. no clue where you were going with that. <laughs> we legitimately yeah. couldn't have done that if we were still doing the post game no. podcast. And, and so, and, and a lot of people enjoyed yeah. that, and that was a nice way for us to blow off steam and have some fun. And, and boy, I'm do we have lie. some fun! I'm not gonna lie, like doing the every games it it did feel like a chore by the end. Like I, I got worn down by it because it just felt like my life was basically tied to the duck schedule. And like, unless you're a beat writer who's making a salary doing that, it's kind of harder mentally to get through that. Yeah. So I think yeah. now what we do is way more sustainable. We give you streams where I curse very loudly every time I die on Warzone, which by the way, was a blast. And thank you to everybody who tuned in. Uh, so it's all for the better. We, we just basically talked about ourselves for 10 minutes there, but it's fine. Hey, I mean, people to people tune in to hear us talk about the, uh, the ducks. People also tune in to just hear us talk. I mean, we, we had a fair amount see, of people wa- watch us play Warzone. So see, people want my POV in the stream next time. So Jake, get on I, it. I do not know. Okay. <laughs> buy, buy me. Someone buy me another monitor, please. <laughs> oh, maybe i'll uh, i mean my monitor is probably bigger than yours so maybe i could figure i it have out. two you only have one yeah but mine is large mine is v large shaming shaming minus both shaming thick. shaming <laughs> shaming you do that to me all the time uh, all right I th- regularly i think it's about time that we wrap this thing up science cat uh who's our good friend jess from our beerly team says us uh, uh this is because you guys are awesome so thank you so much i don't think anyone wants my pov anyway because it's just someone like just an idiot jumping around not knowing where to go actually i think people oh. would enjoy my my drops because I am so bad at like landing and timing it and cutting the the, the shoot. Yeah. So I can't get your POV because I have no idea how to do that. I can maybe add your camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was legit having the time of my life that night. Like, yeah. And uh, it was fun. Hardcore Lucha is asking, when is the next Crash the Pond meetup now that the world is opening? We'll probably have to do that again. Actually, really cool news. We uh, surpassed 100 patrons in the last little bit. Oh. So that was that was kind of a goal that that we had for a while um and we have now surpassed that so uh one of the things that i wanted to do was way back when we did a watch party at legends in long beach uh for patrons and so not gonna yeah, say where where we do it or what game maybe we do we'll do it. like an outdoor yeah and, or something. and so we'll, we'll see when thing it probably won't be this year but as we get into next year we'll probably try to do something similar to that yeah yeah probably let's wait till everybody's vaccinated let's yeah. just like can we probably just make- ne- probably next season yeah yeah once once that threshold is met i think we'll be there's there's just so much work that goes into organizing events like people are having weddings right now like jake i know i know you had a wedding in non-covid times and that looked like a boatload of work i can't imagine having to do it now like with all of those considerations in play so i'm sure you're you're really excited to talk about this topic let's uh let's just get out of here let's just get the hell out of here you guys have heard us talk enough um, so before we get out though, I do want to say there are a few ways that you can support our show, which definitely go a long way. Um, the biggest one that Jake alluded to is our Patreon page. Uh, I do think that that's one way where you get value out of it and it helps us keep this thing going. That's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You have three tiers to support us. So for a dollar a month, you get to join our patrons only discord chat, which I got to say is just 
awesome. Um, that is where we've got people that are just there really to talk about hockey, to have fun conversations. Um, you know, super wholesome. We have a general chat as well, where we get into today, we were talking about Jake's, you know, fitness journey. Um, so there's definitely some interesting stuff in there, but also during the actual ducks games, people are going back and forth in there. It is popping off when there's ducks breaking news. We get in there as well. Um, that's for $1 a month and you get to connect with other diehard fans. Now for $5 a month, you get access to that as well as two bonus episodes. And on those episodes, we, you know, we are a bit more unfiltered. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a different kind of atmosphere, more relaxed. Uh, we're not having to go through the, all the different news items of the week. Uh, so the last one we did was yesterday morning. Uh, Jake and I went in depth on just kind of the latest going, goings ons with the ducks and just kind of trying to figure it all out basically. And it was very detailed. Um, and so that's for $5 a month. We also just do like league wide rankings on that. We'll also talk about the Mandalorian or WandaVision at some point, maybe we'll see. Um, and so that's for $5 a month for $15. Yes, we are a doing month, that at some point for $15 a month. You get access to the episodes, you get access to the chat, but this is a really new, exciting feature. You also get access to two watch alongs a month. So what that means is we actually do a broadcast of ducks games. So instead of having to maybe listen to some commentators that you're tired of listening of, or you just want to change, uh, well, you can actually turn on, turn on our broadcast and hear our commentary throughout the game. Uh, you get a lot more stats, a lot more analysis, and just, you get kind of us, you get our, our banter and that's, um, that's for 15 bucks a month. And we post as early in the month as possible when those dates will be. We actually have a watch along coming up this week um, on the Ducks breakout night as they wear their reverse retros for the first time. So Very that should be excited a, about that, that should be a blast. Jake is Jake was so excited. He actually made that an item in our script that we just never got to. So, yeah, but, but I, fig we I figured we'd get to it during the plugs. Well, I am excited to see you excited. That's really what this comes down to. Um, I'll be wearing my jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's a great jersey, and I am excited. I'm just curious to see what the, the equipment will look like. Um, but anyway, so if you don't, you know, if you're if you're cash a little tight right now, that's totally understandable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just search Crash the Pond. Leave us a rating and a review there. Those go a very long way. And when we do get new new reviews, we will read them on the show. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, check us out on Spotify. Like Jake said earlier, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure that you subscribe there and turn on your notifications to see when our show goes up. Now, a couple different things here as well. Make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com. Uh, we've got articles going up there. I got my takeaways going up tomorrow about the past San Jose series. We have five takeaways after each duck series this season where we just kind of give you different stats, different highlights of that particular series. There's also a shop there, crashthepond.com slash shop. I'm actually wearing one of the t-shirts here. As you can see, I've got the eggplant and jade, which works perfectly for the reverse retro night. T-shirts there, hoodies. Uh, make sure to go check it out. We've also got a fun collab, I think, coming up. I don't know how I finalized that is. Nothing finalized yet. I mean, let's just, we can throw it out there. Hit us up uh, if you're listening to this on Twitter or something like that. If you yep. want to see this, we're trying to gauge some interest, but we're we're currently talking with Bring Hockey back at potentially doing a collaboration with them, but want to see if uh, where the interest level is at. So if you're yep. listening to this and you're on Twitter, uh, reach out to us on Twitter, email me uh, at jake at crashthepond.com. Uh, if you're interested, just trying to gauge the, the interest round, interest round, and we might do a shirt or a hat or something along those lines with them. Yep. And, uh, outside of that, Jake, I, I'm going to plug the social media here in a second. Am I, am I forget anything? I mean, 
I will say if you are shopping for clothes, use that code CTP at checkout at Mac Weldon. Fantastic for 20, deal for 20% off. I think it's just, it's so worth it. Um, and yeah, outside of that, check us out on, on Twitter at crash the pond. Jake is on Twitter at reindeer games. 91. He has been popping off lately as have I at Felix underscore Sicard. We have just, we're just letting it fly lately. Like these, these Might as well. don't, Might they, as don't well. Re- they don't really deserve any better, uh, to be quite honest with you here. Um, so with all of that being said, wishing everybody a great week here. We, these go up on Monday morning. So hope your Monday goes well. Hopefully we, maybe we'll get a trade this week. Who knows? So hopefully everybody has a great rest of your day, a great week, and we will talk to you at the next show. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.